Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of Another Happy Pod is going to contain spoilers. If you've not experienced the content yourself, please go ahead and do so before coming back and listening to the boys ramble on about it. Thank you very much. Nathan, the podcast. Oh, shit. Hello and welcome back to another Happy Pod, the show where we talk about movies and pop culture and TV shows and anything else going on in the world, even politics. Get ready for that. Um, and trying to keep things just a little bit more positive and optimistic. We won't actually be talking about politics, to be honest. I don't know why I said that. We don't always succeed, but we do have a good time doing it. My name is Nathan James Bauer III, and as always, I'm joined by Lawrence Thomas Heisey, a known... Oh, that, no. I was like, wow, he's, I'm so proud of him. He's on a roll. He's going he's gonna to do it. He's going he's gonna to bring it home. And then you said that, and then I was like, oh, of course, this is Nathan. I forgot who I host this with. What, what, what was wrong with what I said? Was it incorrect? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not enormously incorrect. <laughs> I don't think it was. Show me evidence. How could I have done that? Exactly. Anyway, I'm getting bleeped. This this is getting bleeped anyway, so no one will no one will know what I have to prove. Yeah, um, that's what you think. <laughs> fuck's sake. Hello, Nathan. How are you? How was your week? Hello, Lawrence. Um, it it's fine, I guess. I've not done much. No. No. <laughs> including including a podcast that we didn't do last week. Oh uh, yeah, we did. oh yeah, <laughs> we missed last week. Well, yeah, we were supposed to do knives out, um, but we didn't because Lawrence. I mean, I can't remember, but it was it was your fault somehow. Uh, yeah, it probably was. I know it was my birthday on the day that we were supposed to record, uh, but we had we had Beth staying around. Beth, who is a famous, uh, uh, was a reoccurring guest on the show. Um, and she was round, and I just thought, you know what? She's just going to try and make it all about her. So let's move on. Let's let's not record this week, and we'll we'll wait. Oh, which reminds me, and I won't expand on this, not even to you, Nathan. Hello, Muku. Is Muku listening? 
He does. But I said oh. I'm not going to expand on it, Nathan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Move on. It didn't happen. It was, it was a weird thing to just draw. I know who Muku is. I, yeah, I know, but right, in my, in my eyes, he would be listening to this, like maybe half asleep a little bit, and then suddenly I'm talking to him. And then he's like, whoa, what was that? He rewinds it, and it's still there. And then, uh, uh, yeah, then at that point, he realizes it was part of the episode. Um, my plan fell apart in my own head as I was thinking about it just then. <laughs> Okay, well... Or, or did it, Muku? Stop doing this. <laughs> Stop shouting out individual listeners, okay? No, I'm, I'm going to do it to everyone. Everyone now that me- that listens to this show, message me, and I'll shout you out individually. It really won't take that long. Um, okay, so what are we doing this week, Lawrence? The book of The Mandalorian Season 3. Fucking hell. My God, I literally have a note in my list of notes about that very funny joke and how funny it is and how it's not overplayed at all and hasn't been completely fucking run into the ground by everyone on the internet. But sure, do your little joke. I did it ironically. It doesn't count if I did it No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Nathan, sometimes it's hard to tell over the online recording space that uh, my tone is that of one, I'm in on the joke, is what I'm saying. Uh, And I think you need to learn that. Um, All right, well done, well done. Fucking, I can't wait for your stand-up tour. Um, Okay, so yes, great joke. We're doing The Mandalorian Season 3. Everyone laugh. What a great joke that is. Um, It's the book of Boba Fett, Nathan. That joke's been overdone on the internet, and it's a bit shameful to see you uh, just kind of repeating it like a dead horse. So, well done. done. Thank you. Well done. So it's my understanding um, that you hate everything about this show and everyone who has ever been involved with it and everyone who's ever been involved with star wars and you yeah. despise kathleen kennedy um and want uh, her career to end and she's been fired several times according to you and Nathan, you she's hate... been fired by me this is a woke disaster yes um uh, no i'm not doing it. i'm not even committing to a joke about this just because of how much i don't want it to be taken any form out of context um no, I don't hate this show. In fact, uh, the, the back end of it, not even the back end, the back half, uh, I really enjoy. And it's some of the best time I've had with Star Wars um, on on the small screen. I just, it's a weird one. It really is a weird one. But I would prefer to hear your overall stance. And then we can maybe have a little debate about where we differ in opinion. Okay. Um, take a wild fucking swing. Did you like it, Nathan? Did you, <laughs> did you, did you like your little Star Wars show? I don't, I don't need to stand for this. <laughs> okay. Did you like it, Nathan? Did it, did it have spaceships? Was it, was there enough spaceships for you and enough sand planet? There was like two spaceships. Yeah, I know. There was. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> two main spaceships. One space train, though, that was quite heavily featured for a while. I mean, it was in one episode. In hey, like it? Pretty sure it was two. No, I don't think so. It whizzes past in one of the episodes, and then they take it down in another one. I'm pretty sure. No, it whizzes past in the same episode, and then they take it down later in the same episode. Yeah, fair enough. Well, anyway, did so you in, so you enjoyed the show? I did. Yeah, it was a, it was a good show. I think um, Boba Fett has never been a character that I've particularly cared for. 
in any way. He's always been a bit of a nothing character on, on screen, anyway. In in the comics, uh, he's had like more to do, and in, in Clone Wars as well, they gave him more of a character. But this is like the first time in live action that he's really had any kind of actual character and personality. Um, so it's he's more interesting than just a fucking a, a guy who stands around in the background and falls to his death in a fucking vagina in the sand or whatever. So, so yeah, he's, it's it's more interesting to see a more in depth look at this this bloke and and see what he's actually about and stuff. So yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm just picturing how funny it would be if they committed to a seven-episode show of Boba Fett, but still didn't expand on him, just as the original trilogy didn't. <laughs> like, all his all his scenes are just him standing in the background, going "Yes," <laughs> just like so- something in the plot happens, and he's like, "That's bad," <laughs> and, and, and that's it. Put um, Captain Solo in the cargo hold. <laughs> yeah, which is the only thing he's known for saying. Yeah. Um, I no, I don't get me wrong because like I I like this and I was I was all for the idea of seeing Boba Fett expanded on. I just some of the choices in this show for me because right the character of Boba Fett I love what they're doing. I love that they're making him a more sympathetic person. He's a bounty hunter learning that he doesn't need to work for these pieces of shit anymore. He can build something for himself. Still using the skills he's learned. Like he's not <clears> become <throat> a fantastic bloke overnight, but he goes by his own code, and you have to respect it. Um. And I, I really like what they're doing there. I just think, like, the the choice to never, like, right, it's difficult because it, it, it instinctively has to be compared to The Mandalorian, I think, to a degree. Yeah. Because you're seeing a guy... It's the same walk, story. Well, it's part of the same story, but also, when you think about it, in terms of the starting off point, the characters are virtually identical. I know they don't, I know they're not, and they're far from it now, Um but Boba Fett in the original trilogy, uh, you know, not a Mandalorian, but a bounty hunter in Beskar armor, very mysterious, don't know much about him. It's exactly I think where we meet the Mandalorian. This has not never been confirmed, but I think the reason that we have the Mandalorian is because John Favreau wanted to do a Boba Fett show, um, but Disney and, and Kathleen were like, uh, no, let's let's uh, let's do something else. Let's keep Boba Fett for a little while. Do something yeah. else. And he'd be like. Okay, well, I'll do a show about a Mandalorian then, and yeah, he'll yeah. be <laughs> he'll he'll look exactly like Boba Fett, but he yeah. won't be Boba the, Fett. The not Boba Fett, <laughs> yeah. Du, 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 du. Um, and he's yeah, going to be a bounty hunter as well. So just yeah, you know. yeah. Oh, he wears the, he, basically he's got a new paint job. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no. But I, the starting off point is similar. My my main thing with this show is that they've already they've already made a show about a man exploring the galaxy and then in his Beskar armor learning to think beyond what he's been brought up doing or what he's the only path he's known in life. So when, yeah. and like an, an a mysterious bounty hunter figure. So when, when they made this and then it was kind of where the Mandalorian is jetting all over the galaxy, every episode's on a, another planet or at least like a different type of environment or scenery. And there's always something new to do. Where this was so character focused and lasered in on telling one story or two, technically two stories, I think it lost something for me in the sense of one. I don't. I think the pacing was was terrible between the two stories. I would have loved to have seen a better, a bit, a bigger balance between modern day and and the you know the Tuscan Raiders flashback segments. Um, 
and just just the the simplicity of it i think kind of kneecapped it because it's good stuff what they were doing i just wish there was more of a story to tell and they took less time on things that would were not as entertaining like what what anything else like this is what i'm i'm not a writer of the show obviously but what i saw was slow and very like it it was him going for meetings at the at, to the mayor's place and then he went there and he was like oh well i'm a bit shady obviously and then he was like well i'm you have to respect me now i'm boba fett then he goes back to his palace then he does the same thing the next episode and then like someone else tries to assassinate him and he's like well i'm boba fett they have to respect me and, and it's like it, it was it was very samey for a long time yeah Okay, I, I can see that. I, I I guess I see it more in the sense that it's a lesson that Boba needs to learn. He's sure he's got a lot of skills that he's learned over the years as a bounty hunter and whatever other work he's been doing. He's clearly skilled. He knows how to fucking handle himself with taking down like fucking bounties and, and whoever else he's been doing. Yeah. But this is a new world for him. This is him stepping into like a crime boss, you know, Don, Don Leon, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's not something he's done. And he does make mistakes, like from the fucking, you know, walking through the streets of Tatooine, he doesn't understand the fucking, the basic principles of being a crime boss. They keep telling how they haven't seen his litter and how he's usually carried, how the usual crime boss is carried through and that type of thing. And he does, he's like, that's dumb, I'm not going to do that. And then through like every, you know, even in the first episode, he has like meetings with, with everyone and he's like, I thought you were supposed to bring me a tribute, I'm supposed to give you a tribute? How does that work? He doesn't understand the crime stuff so i i thought it was all part about him just making mistakes and then forming his own version of what this you know this uh fucking dunley on whatever the fuck they call it is yeah really and i'm i'm down for that i li- i like the arc of boba fett kind of coming in and yeah making mistakes but also like when he makes the mistakes he doesn't necessarily change his behavior he just what goes well that's not me this is the way i'm doing it um, and I like that he makes he makes Tatooine fall in line. I just think maybe less time could have been given to that when there was like like the Tuscan Raider storyline. I found it like it got to a point where I was finding the flashbacks way more interesting, and it would cut back to the modern day stuff, and I'd be like, no, I don't don't care about this right now. Um, but I think that was intentional, though. I think the way the series was set up is, you know, in the in the first half, it was more focused on the you know the flashbacks and and giving you the history for the first four episodes it's a lot of time is spent on flashbacks and showing you who boba hit who boba is and how he's changed from what we've seen you know previously in the original trilogies and the comics and stuff and showing how he got how he got to this point in his life what what changed for him to to be there so i, I think it was definitely intentional i think i think so and like i said like i don't I'm not going to discredit it because there's definitely like on, I'd imagine this needs a good second rewatch where I'm going to notice a lot of things that maybe I missed because I, I was going into, maybe I went into like the third episode or whatever going, Oh, this is, this is kind of, this is not for me, this show so far. So maybe I wasn't looking as hard, but there was, there's certain things that like, I just felt took too long to drive the point home. And then the last, the last episode or the last three episodes were like arguably much better but then like where does it stand in sense of like he's got less than a minute of screen time in like two episodes of his show and i understand they're telling a connective story that has to weave together but like 
imagine if we saw the whole thing paced a little bit better where we saw some, you know, like a Game of Thrones episode where, it, you know, there's like five different places per episode. Um, and we, we see a slow burning of Grogu getting trained. And then we see the the uh, the backstory of Boba Fett and then we see um the the present day storyline of Boba Fett like I just feel like told in a different way it could have kept the ante up way more and and definitely avoided the criticism of like Mando season three kind of thing I just that's fair that's that's fair I'll agree with that if if it was done in a different way it definitely could have been you know pro- more impactful yeah um I don't know how to say this without sounding like a dick. <laughs> um, uh, so, it's weird because uh, the thing about like fucking uh, this is just my opinion, but the thing about fucking like criticism of media, and and I, I think I'm guilty of myself this in, in some instances. I think too much of it is focused on what could have been done rather than what was done. Yeah. I think there's a lot of time focused on, like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Instead of just enjoying or or just discussing what they did do, sure, there's always going to be stuff that could have been done better because there's infinite number of people, not infinite, but there's there's a huge number of people who could have done something different. So there's always going to be an alternate, you know, reality version of it or whatever. So instead of taking time to just focus on what you could have had, focus on what you, and this is this is not me saying this to you directly this is just a general thing about, yeah, about yeah. criticism in general it's a, a lot of it is focused on and especially in star wars there's so much of like oh they should have done this or they should have done that that'd been cool but i'm like but but they didn't so get over it yeah. oh and i'm, I'm definitely <laughs> focus on what they did do. i'm definitely for that and then like towards the later half of the season that is where i found myself enjoying the show like because there's yeah. there's certain moments of the boba fett stuff that i thought was sick like the the tuscan um like even in in, in my like least favorite couple of episodes like boba and the tuscans taking down that steam train thing um yeah. that's fucking that's amazing that was so cool um and then like yeah. boba um being welcomed into them with their family and stuff clearly shows the impact of where he is and why he wants to, you know, why he wants to rule over people with respect and not fear because it gets you further. Um, and like all of those things I really liked. So for what it did do, I can appreciate it, but that there is all, unfortunately, like you say, there is always, unfortunately a minority of people that are saying like, Oh, just imagine if, um, yeah. And I, I try and do, I try, I try and put that in the back of my head, but this story could have been told in virtually the, it could have done the exact same plot points. Not a single thing could have been skipped, but if it was just cut together differently, I I just, I would have found myself way more engaged from episode one all the way through seven rather than like episode one to four being like, and then five, six and seven being like, ah, best star Wars ever. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's fair. That's that's absolutely fair. And like I say, I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, I fucking I love Star Wars. I love the prequels, even. Um, I love Revenge of the Sith. But you know, sometimes I do catch myself thinking, "Oh, the fight between Obi Wan and Anakin. It could have been so much more impactful if they had like actual emotional beats throughout it, rather than you know just mindless fighting. It, it, it could have had some some really good stuff to it. But I still enjoy it, though. Yeah. It's still stuff that that I like. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's let's move on from that. What did you think about the the reveal of like him getting out of the cell, like the long, the fucking forty year in the waiting fucking reveal of it all? I think 
I think it was understated and very simple, which is really good. Like, yeah, because I'm not being funny. I like that it was just very matter of fact as well. Yeah. It was just like there was there wasn't any like big grandeur or build up to it. It was just like literally the show opens. All right, he's out. Move on. Yeah. Let's go. And the show even kind of addresses that as well because like when he so he comes out, his hand like grasps out of the sand like a couple of meters away from it. So you could tell he was in there deep. Um, yeah. And then, but like, but it, it but it is just the natural fact that. He's talented at what he does, and he's got great fucking armor. So that's how he yeah. that's how he escaped. Um, and then, like using, I think he used like a breathing tube from like the stormtrooper's helmet or something that had air in it, or, or something along those lines. But I was just like, it's yeah. smart. You're using what you've got. And then later on, like he, he does come back. And for those people that wanted to see him jetpack out of the Sarlacc's mouth and drop a fucking like sonic cannon or whatever the fuck into <laughs> it. Those people did get what they want, but it was done for a practical and sensible reason. He he went back like, I need to get my armor. And Fennec yeah. was like, okay, where'd you, where's that? And he's like, the bottom of a Sarlacc pit. And she was like, I guess we're going to go bomb a Sarlacc pit then. Like, <laughs> And then it's not there. So he's like, fuck's sake. Like, and and so you still get that moment, but it's all done in a way that isn't, this is Boba Fett. And rather, yeah. this is a man in his 60s. <laughs> like, going, fucking that's, hell, do I have to go do this? Yeah, that's something as well. The fact that, you know, the two leads of this show is a 61-year-old man and a 58-year-old woman, and both of them are, like, fucking in top form fighting shape. Yeah. That's impressive. Fennec, that's really Fennec fucking especially, impressive. she is leaping rooftops yeah. and all sorts. Um, Ming-Na Wen is a fucking incredible actress. Yeah. A really good stunt performer as well. She's done some really good stuff. Is Mando... Not Mando. Is Boba... Um, Boba's supposed to be in his like mid forties, right? In in canon, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Tomorrow Morrison is a lot older than Boba Fett should be, but he looks good. Um, That's why they crisp him um, up in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah, um, so Boba Fett should be around about. Uh, let's see. So he's he's about ten in Attack of the Clones, um, and this is about thirty years after that. So yeah, it should be about four. No, actually, about thirty three. Uh, forty is about forty. It should be like mid forties, really. Yeah. At this point. So that's yeah. But uh, yeah. look, at the end of the day, it's a, it's an iconic fight. The trouble, the trouble <laughs> is with this. Star Wars are going to come into something one day where they go. Do we just keep casting a sixty-year-old man who in to, who <laughs> who in twenty years is going to be <laughs> like eighty, um, or do we? digitally de-age uh, or do we recast the clones as a much like as a man in his late 20s who we've got plenty of time with um i mean they will we'll talk about it later but they can clearly digitally de-age like that's not going to be an issue for them no like no clearly it's they, not especially they, in 20 years time yeah they they can they can figure it out um <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later um yeah, you you mentioned like the fucking Tuscan stuff. What did you think of all that and the the in depth look at like their culture and and stuff? I so one thing I really love in Star Wars, um, and this the, I am speaking to the point. I know it sounds like I'm off on a tangent. Um, the one thing I love in Star Wars is when you're presented something, uh, and it's so far from what you could think. Like it's all about perspective. For example, yeah. like for a broad example, Vader is a maniacal dictator who murders everyone he meets that pisses him off slightly but what he actually is is a tragic backstoried uh like terrified father who yeah. wants redemption more than anything in the world and and so yeah. this does it in two instances 
the Tusken Raiders, we've been told, are savages by Obi-Wan in A New Hope. We've only ever seen them fucking raising their spears and screaming uh, in, like, rage and anger. The only ever time we've seen them be somewhat sympathetic creatures is when Anakin slaughtered them in Attack of the Clones. Um, And... But then the moment's about Anakin. So what I really liked about this is it was like, these guys are just aliens that because they're not inclined to the galaxy's civilized normalities, they are they must be beasts and terrifying creatures that need to be hunted and killed. But they, they're just I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. It's it's more the they're uh, natives, like it's the same way, like we have treated like native cultures in like America and Australia. It's just the indigenous yeah. population, and then once like fucking colonization happened, and we got there, like oh these savage beasts, they're not fucking they, yeah, they exactly. don't deserve this land or whatever. It's it's just that, and 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 there's definitely since ever since Boba came back on the small screen, there's been an element of that in <clears> the character. Um, in just in um, is it Tamara Morrison? How's how's his first name pronounced? Tomorrow, I tomorrow, think. yeah. Um, well, the, the, anyway, the, the actor who plays him is obviously New Zealand in heritage, um, and Maori. Oh, is he okay? Um, and he obviously there's an element of that kind of culture that's been brought in from even in his theme, like like they 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 used a lot of like hacker movements in the Mando season two when he was introduced. Um, yeah. And that, I really like the moment where you see them, like where he's constructed his gaffy stick, and then they do like that kind of like tribal dance around the fire. Yeah. There's clearly like a lot of Maori hacker stuff in that as well, um, which was really good to see. I really enjoyed it, it, that. Well, first, well, firstly, it's commendable for a large company to include some of that stuff because this is Star yeah. Wars lore, and it's terrifying to play with that because everyone has an opinion on Star Wars, um, <laughs> and most of the time they're they're very much largely vocal and made by cunts. Um, whereas now, like it, it's it's being embraced, culture is being embraced in a show that is about embracing a culture, and it's it's it makes sense, yeah. and it's and it works well. Um, it does, it does, and that is exactly why I was very disappointed when they was killed off screen, because yeah. it was like we were so close to just having like something really good and different we were so close to having like a really good representation of different cultures in star wars and not just the the same kind of stuff we've seen before but then it's just it's killed off screen for like an outsider's pain really it's there's a lot of like white savior vibes to it and tomorrow morrison is not white but it's still got a lot of like white savior themes to it yeah like the outsider coming to the tribe helping them fix a problem and um, that they had initially, but they could solve it with him, and then they die off screen, so he feels pain. It's it's all I don't know. It's it's disappointing, and I feel like I can see. I actually hadn't considered it from that angle, to be fair. But that makes a lot of sense. Like it's yeah. it's good that it's there, but uh, yeah, ultimately it kind of I suppose does feel a little bit like they were cannon fodder for his emotional arc. Exactly. Yeah, there was there was some really good steps taken with it. it it's just they kind of fumbled the landing a little bit. They missed. They missed the mark with, with you know, what I don't know, and I'm not the right person to speak on this, but like different kinds of indigenous and native representation and stuff. And I know that a lot of like native people were talking on Twitter about how just fucking how much that stung, particularly because they finally had like this this really good fucking like on screen representation, and then it was just snatched away off screen. So yeah, yeah, 
little disappointing. It is. It, I mean, it's crazy when you consider it as Tuscans, but it's like like Tuscan yeah. Raiders from from the original movie Star Wars. Um, yeah, but but I see what you mean because there it, there was a lot of care woven into the construction of how their culture works and how they'd operate, like in a family setting. Because like they had the even the like the, the little kid running around. It wasn't like a fa- yeah. it wasn't a tribe of grown men. It was like <laughs> this. It was all of them. It was, it was, women, it was not the just children it's not just the men, but the women <laughs> and the children. <laughs> I like how we both went. <laughs> yeah, I was. I you started talking and I was like, no, don't. I need to gear around to this. I've got a joke. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I can see, uh, I can see why people would be upset about. It. I, I never considered that. Um, but that you wouldn't wait, man. <laughs> you're white. You're a white man. <laughs> no, but like, like again, like every, I don't know. I suppose we keep getting closer, but one day it's going to be nailed. Hopefully, yeah. It's hard when it it's steps in the right direction. Well, it's when it's yeah. when it can be a corporate machine. It's hard, but clearly, creatives that understand it and want to bring elements of their own culture towards the show are putting in the right steps but if it like if it is disney kneecapping them then that sucks um yeah maybe someone kind of should have brought that forward and said hey it comes across like this um but yeah uh huts huts are back yeah we got two huts we got the twins um they're said to be jabba's cousins uh jabba's cousins so possibly zero the huts children um but he died during the Clone Wars, so we don't know. I saw. Um, I saw a. Um, this is far less intellectual Star Wars. This is. This is. This is just more of a dumb note. I saw a hilarious thumbnail on YouTube that was just the huts are big fat slugs. Why are they so powerful? Um, and it, but it is a hundred percent true. Like you think someone would just walk I over mean... and chop their little bamboo fucking platform down and be like, now you're on the floor and you can't move. That's nothing new though. There's a lot of like storytelling about. You know, like fucking powerful crime lords who are just essentially like big fat immobilized. Look at Kingpin. Like, ah, but he, can, he shouldn't Kingpin be. Kingpin can still throw down. Yeah, but his his main power isn't like his fucking strength. It's the like the levels of corruption he's able to influence and stuff. Yeah, true, true. That's that's where it comes from. That's where the power comes from. Not necessarily physical strength. <laughs> way back when in Star Wars, when the Huts were rising to power, so they should have gone, "Hey, go and um, go and blackmail this person." And one brave person should have just gone, "No," because what are you going to do about it, you big fat slug? <laughs> they'd have they they pay someone to kill you. That's what they do. But then, but then the person they paid to kill him should have just—they should have all formed an alliance against the Huts. And then <laughs> but get, that won't happen because they're all getting paid. Nah, because if they—if they, if all of them match the price, just drive the Huts out of town. No. Well, why don't they do that, kids? The Kingpin. Should have, they should have done it to everyone, Nathan. We've cured <laughs> corruption. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so you're a fake fan, and you don't know who Black Cassandra is. I—I uh, I know that he is a, a big, large Wookiee who is a big bounty hunter, and I also saw that someone tried to tell someone on Twitter how his name was pronounced. At which point, the writer came back and said, "Yeah, no, don't tell me how to pronounce a character that I created," um, <laughs> yeah. which was very great. But no, who is he? Yeah. He's a big Wookiee. So he—he's a Wookiee. He uh, worked with Boba Fett for a time. Darth Vader hired them both uh, to find out. Who blew up the Death Star? Um, that leads him to Luke. Um, Obi Wan gave him the scar across his eye. It's pretty interesting. Um, and he spent a lot of time fighting as a gladiator. 
Um, so, oh yeah, we were kind of we go. were kind of told that when we because he's just a yeah. he's just a big brawling unit. He is a big fucking unit, and that's why he hates Trandoshans so much. Trandoshans have a big history with Wookies. They've hunted them like for fucking decades and and that sort of stuff. And I think they're the reason why he ended up in the Gladiator Ring. Um, so yeah, that's why he fucking. As soon as he sees a Trandoshan, he's going to fuck him up. Yeah, makes sense. Oh, more power to you, King. Yeah. And he likes giving... Um... What, what do you think of him? He's good. Yeah, I liked him. It's 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 rare that, like... Because obviously the only Wookiee most people know and love um, is um, uh, Chewbacca. I was I was trying to... I spaced on one of the, <laughs> the holiday special names. I was going to make a joke, but then I just went... Lumpy. Lumpy, that was it. Is that his son? Marla, yeah. Lumpy the son, yeah. Lumpy's his son, Marley's his wife, Itchy's his dad. Itchy, itchy. I hate that, I know that. It's fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, so most we only know Chewbacca, who is, for all intents and purposes, yeah, he's a bit of a hulking unit himself, but he's a... We also know Tarful. I don't know Tarful. You don't know Tarful? Who's Tarful? He's a guy from Revenge of the Sith, who's with Yoda. Oh, forgive me, he's in one scene, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's only one scene. He's in several scenes. Is that two scenes then? He's, he's a big part of it. <laughs> Everyone knows Tarful. I didn't know Tarful, I'll be honest. And I know Revenge of the Sith. He's in Fallen Order as well. Uh, okay. <laughs> I be- Listen, I believe you. I'm not <laughs> saying I don't. I'm just saying that the Wookiee that most people would be most commonly like or commonly known is Chewbacca, who is a big... Who's a unit himself, but also we, we know him mostly for being a loyal companion... Uh, like the a nice a nice friend, like a, yes. and a savior. Whereas this guy's got mm. um, was it Black uh, Chrysanthemum? Is that his name? Black Chrysanthemum. Yeah. He's obviously got Chrysanthemum. So he's obviously got a chip on his shoulder, and he's and I, I like that. It, it, it again, it's world building stuff, which is like shits happened to this person outside of the events of his show. He's not just clean cut angry Wookie. He's traumatized from yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, and I like that you don't necessarily need to know that to to see him and enjoy him here. Like, yeah, he's he's got a lot of history in the comics and stuff, but to someone like you who's just first been introduced to him here, you don't need to know that. Well, I assume so anyway. You you can still enjoy him from this. And, and that, this I could tell from the moment we we met him, this guy's got some this guy's got some un, unresolved issues. But if they don't relate to the overall story that's being told, why bog me down with them? Like, I don't need to know. It would have been very weird if at one point Boba Fett was just like, Ah, Black Ascension, how are you? I haven't seen you since we both worked with Darth Vader together. How you been doing since uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi gave you that scar across your eye in issue 24 of Marvel Comics Star Wars? Or he just, or he just turns around. Um, he just turns around and looks directly into camera and just goes... For about two minutes while subtitles tell us everything we need to know. Um, which which, I, which I think would have been the better narrative choice. Um um what do you think as a whole about like boba fett's desire to come back and be the crime boss because like tatooine is a is a place that i would argue we've seen far too much of um and it would and one of my one of my bigger complaints of the earliest part of the season is that i'd love to see boba fett do other things um that being said i can still enjoy a plot where he wants to basically dethrone people on Tatooine uh, and run it himself. What do you think about that? Why do you think we've seen far too much of Tatooine? I just, I think it's just up until this show and the ending of this show, I quite enjoy. Um, But 
it's it kind of ran its course like in an in a new hope it's like just described endlessly as like the fucking the cesspool of the galaxy like it's the it's where you go to fucking die basically if there's a bright if there's a bright point of the galaxy you're at the point which is furthest from yeah exactly and it's and it's, and it's that's that's one of the um that's one of the things that we're told about it but then we just keep going there we keep um there's there's elements of of loads of Star Wars that is just Tatooine focused, and I just think the reason why and and again it's why the episode that randomly was like just solo Mando um, in this show, I was like fuck yes because we we're seeing him land on some like random crazy looking ring in like the in the middle of the galaxy where there's like a different sort of texture to things like different structures different architecture and i was like the, i'm immediately more engaged and interested in this because it's not just more of the same and that's that's not to say that setting stuff on tatooine is bad when you when it does have a story and a reason like this revealed itself to have i think it's cool but tatooine for tatooine's sake he could have gone to rule anywhere do you know what i mean i kind of but i mean moss espo was set up like First of all, they changed the location of Jabba's Palace. It was absolutely in Mos Eisley before, but whatever. Um, but <laughs> um, but the, it was kind of set up like there was like a power vacuum in Tatooine, though. Jabba has gone. You know, Bib Fortuna, he snaked in there and took his place and clearly was doing a pretty shit job. Um, and Boba, you know, Boba's got beef with Bib. Like, fucking so he's like, I'm going to finish this off and while I'm here, I might as well just set up shop and, and take this place for my own. It, it, like, should, they could have done something else, but what would have been the point of that? There would have been no real connection to Boba for it. Well, then, then I guess, I, I don't want to focus too much on what could have happened rather than, because obviously, like we said at the beginning, it's a pointless criticism. But, like, yeah. I just feel like there could have been something cooler to do with Boba than just to put him in charge of, of a thing and struggle to run it. Like, I don't know, it felt like, it just felt very simple for a character that so many people have wanted to see for a very long time. And, like, I don't know. Because I, I, in, in a on, part and parcel, I understand it because of the fact that Boba has a connection to Tatooine um, and has been, like, kind of, not, not, not bullied around there his entire life, but, like, he's, he's done a lot of work there. He's taken up a lot of jobs. He worked protection for Jabba there. And it's a case of, like, that would probably be the first place he thinks to go to. Um, Do you not think it also thematically makes sense, though? Because that's the place where he quote-unquote died in the Sarlacc bit, and then he was quote-unquote reborn. He had, like, a second chance of redemption. He started his new life with his tribe. And then do you not think it, like, thematically makes sense for it to be on Tatooine, where he, like, started his, this new chapter of his life? Yeah, I, I do, but then I also think it would make perfect sense for it to be anywhere else as well like because he would want a fresh start i guess but like but do you see like that point could be argued either way it's just one is what we got and one is what we didn't um but again like that that this is my personal criticism i don't think that the show suffered for it it was more a case of like it would have been cool to see my one of my favorite things about star wars is when they go to other places and explore cool new worlds and i just felt like i i had a lessened interest that it was just on tatooine but that, but that is a that is a me criticism. That's not a detriment to the show. 
Boy, you are not going to have fun come May when Kenobi rolls around. <laughs> I know. I know, but that's, this is what I'm saying. They, Kenobi... I guess I guess you'd argue the opposite. They're like Kenobi. I think thematically has to be set there because of the fact yeah. that we know where Obi Wan is and we know what he does and we know we know the Skywalker connection to Tatooine as well, um, yeah. which is obviously heavily going to be tied into this. So I feel like just give us a Boba Fett doing anything else anywhere else. <laughs> jumping ahead, jumping ahead slightly. I do like that Luke was like, "Fuck no, I'm not going back to Tatooine." <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> yeah. like R2, just fucking take this kid. But yeah. I'm not fucking going. There. I, I did, I did wonder if Luke was gonna be like, it was gonna be pulling up. When I saw the X-wing, I was like, "Has Luke come back?" And then it was R2. It's just like hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm here. This is he's like the delivery robot, you know, that delivers your food and then rolls away. <laughs> yeah. That's what he felt like. Um Yeah. Set the cord set the coordinates for Tatooine. Am I fuck <laughs> returning? Um uh, so um one thing I didn't realise when I was when I was watching the show until the um the fourth episode was how much I fucking missed Din Djarin and how much I loved that character. Because as soon as I heard that little musical sting, that little at the end of the episode, I was fucking on edge. Yeah. I was so excited to see everyone's favourite space dad again. I was so excited. And then no surprise, the two episodes that followed ended up being my favourite of the fucking run because it was so good. Yeah. Which, like, obviously, many people, <laughs> and I'm in, a, I'm in an unusual box with this because many people like, it's, it is baffling that the best two episodes of the book of Boba Fett have no Boba Fett in them. Um, yeah. Like, where does that leave you as a casual enjoyer of his show? And does it speak to the quality of the rest of the show? But also, in a, in a less cuntier way, I'm just really happy that some cool Star Wars is happening, and, and I'm here to watch I it. I mean, yeah, it might say something about Boba Fett. I think it, what it says more, though, is that more than anything about Boba Fett, I think it says more about Din than uh, anything about Boba Fett. I think it's it speaks to how much people have connected and really come to love this character that you know, Pedro and the team have, have created yeah. and, and brought to life and stuff. Because I don't necessarily think that Pedro was actually fucking in the suit this time I, so I feel like he was probably busy filming something else just not on set but even so it's still he still does a fucking great performance and it's still 
fucking jumping ahead an episode, but the scene where he's on what is possibly Agent Class, we're not 100% sure, um, and he sees fucking Grogu and Luke on the hill, and he's, he's a, you're looking at a helmet, you're looking at a fucking helmet, but he's still somehow able to get so much fucking emotion out of just a look, and it's it's ridiculous how they can somehow do that, oh, yeah. but they can. And that, that's a testament, that's even less of a testament to, like, like Pedro himself or the or the or the performer in the suit because we all know let's be honest they're not paying him to show up every day where he's not needed um and I think they are they they are there's like if you watch the fucking the gallery um you know behind the scenes season mando season 2 especially there is a lot of footage of Pedro in the suit for episodes where you don't see his face at all just it's just like the body armor. No, he is on set. I'll... He'll definitely sorry. He'll definitely be there, like to an extent. But like, obviously, like little things where he he's appearing in one episode of a show, or like obviously three. But like at that point, appearing in one episode of a show versus filming an entire season when you're a busy actor is obviously a completely different thing. Yeah, I was, I'm saying I don't, I don't necessarily think it was him here, but I don't think that matters. He's still. You know, he's still putting in the performance anyway. Though yeah. he's still doing great voice work, and and they have a team. You know, there's three people who play Mando. There's there's I don't know the other dude's name. Forgive me, but there is the three of them do a great job all together to bring the character to life. Yeah, and that's that's everything from like the setting of where it is, the the costume, because it like I don't know what it is about that helmet, but it, it does evoke a reaction. Like there's some it there's really something does, about the iconic design of like. That, and I still think that's why people got obsessed with Boba Fett, <clears throat> despite him being a nothing character. Um, mm. Like, I, I, there, there is just something, it does evoke something iconic in the fandom that makes people sympathise with the character. Um, see, I'd, 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 I'd kind of disagree. Like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. The Mandalorian helmet, the Mandalorian design of a helmet is very cool. It's, yeah, it's short. It's easy to see why people can latch onto a cool design. But I think with Din, though, it's different. It's it's not just cool design. There's there's a lot there's a lot to that character specifically that people have latched onto. His personality he's he's very different from Boba Fett. Boba Fett from like previously has just been you know doesn't really do much silent killer whatever. And that's kind of how Mando is introduced. That's how we see Din at first. But then as the story goes on, you get to know him more. You learn his backstory and like how he, you know, grows as a person. And and the character by the end of like, well, where we see him now, there's just there's so much to him than just cool looking character. Yeah, for sure. But that that's that's because obviously we have two seasons of tv context behind it and we know, yeah and obviously like i think a large part of that was pairing him with grogu from day one because we, oh, we yeah, sympathize 100%. even if we you know like it's not something i can personally sympathize with but i i know that i know how a dad would feel protecting a son and it's yeah. and it's and it does evoke that uh and despite the fact that we, we get to know him we he doesn't take his mask off until the last episode of season one for the first time so we get to know yeah. his entire build built connection with grogu as a man behind a mask so we get to notice and pick up more on little mannerisms and stuff um and also and this is just talking about the mandalorian at this point but also the fact that in season one he takes his mask off out of necessity he takes his mask off to you know so ig11 can can save him in season two he takes his mask off out of choice he does it so he can save grogu and then again just so he can simply look at his son and it's ah oh, it's the character development of that character is is great but also the character 
de-development in the Mandalorian because he does kind of recede a bit uh, sorry, in uh, Book of Boba Fett from where yeah. we last saw him. He has kind of like gone back to his old ways sort of thing now that Grogu's gone. Which which I loved because it was it, at first <clears throat> glance and it's Bryce Dallas Howard that directed that solo Mando episode and it she's yeah. she's fuck give her a film. She's phenomenal. Like give her a series. Yeah, even that, yeah. It's just, it, she's she's so good at understanding the character. She knows that introducing Mando as picking up some bounty jobs um, and going back and 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 finding his his people, um, yeah, his Mandalorian cult people. Um, we know that we're going to be like this is the Mandalorian. So he does that. He does bounties and he does stuff. And it takes us a minute to connect and go. Oh, he's completely lost. Like yeah. it takes us a minute to go because that's what we know the character was introduced as. So when we're reintroduced to him after a while, we go, "This is what he does," and then we go, "Hang on, no, he stopped doing that." Yeah, and yeah. and I don't necessarily think he's gone back to bounty hunting. It seems like he was just doing that one job for information, so he can find out where yeah you know the new Mando sect was, the Children of the Watch. Um, maybe he has been doing other jobs, but from what we see, it seems like that was just for information. But still, the way he did that job. That was that was very different from how Din was at the end of season two. I feel like I feel like Din wouldn't have just fucking brutally killed the entire room of people. Like he would he would have brought him in alive. But this one, it was like, nah, fuck this. I'm just gonna kill all of you. Yeah, and, and he did. And he, he sliced that guy in half. He says he says the line, the exact same line he says in the pilot, where I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. And it's yeah. And it, don't get me wrong, it's a cool line, but it's also <clears throat> like merciless and. Yeah, really, uh, like a fat departure on where we've last seen him from, um, and that's interesting. It's, it's all character development is great, and it is always interesting to see characters grow. But it's also really interesting when you see them devolve as well, when you see them regress into like what they were before, because you know they've lost their way, they've they've lost something, and Din, you know, he's he's lost Grogu. He's he's sad that he's lost his little green boy. Yeah, what are you? Um, let's. <laughs> Let's jump into the big CGI <laughs> elephant in the room. What do you make of um, the return of someone that I think is maybe your favourite Star Wars character ever, right? Luke? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. Oh. No. No, I th- I'd like, don't get me wrong, I fucking love Luke, but I don't necessarily think he's my favourite character ever. I thought I thought his th- a thing in The Last Jedi pushed you over and made him your favourite, but I might be wrong. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, it can change, like, all the time, and, and I do love pretty much everything he does in The Last Jedi. Um, but, n- no, I, I, I'd say I'd still probably think either Ben or Anakin is my favourite, but I don't know. I don't know. I I go back and forth to be honest with you. Um, but but yes. Um, so the CGI Luke in the end of Mando season two, we see Luke Skywalker. We see Mark Hamill. It's a little wonky. It's a little like you can definitely tell. It's like it's CGI. It's it's a you know a a, a kind of rough, deep fake job. Seeing uh, Luke here. First of all, a great surprise. Like, I had no indication that would happen at all, but fucking lovely surprise. Yeah. Um, and second of all, my God, if you would have told me they somehow built a fucking time machine, went back and grabbed Mark Hamill out of the 80s, I would have believed you. Because I, I cannot see it at all. Yeah. I cannot see 
a fucking hint. The only thing that gives it away is the voice, really. Other than that, it's the actual physical look of it. I I cannot physically see any flaws in it. And I'm obviously as as Luke Skywalker is prone to doing at this point. He is less famous for saving the galaxy and more famous for starting Twitter discourse that containing much toxicity. Um, no, I just I I loved it. So like. When it comes, I think this is cool technology. The fact that they have the power to do this is very cool. It's also yeah. terrifying in terms of like an outside it's of very Star Wars landscape. But yeah, but but at the minute, like people are like, like I'm seeing tweets like, if you enjoyed the newest book of Boba Fett, then just think about how this technology could impact the human race. I'm like, they're not committing political <laughs> agenda. What they're doing is bringing back Luke fucking Skywalker, a gay space wizard. Yes. In a show about a bounty hunting spaceman, they're not. <laughs> this is this is not a problem. I, I get what people are saying because <laughs> yes, it, it is it is terrifying technology, and it does have the potential to be used for ill. And that's why you, I think you do need to set up some kind of regulation around this sort of stuff, yeah, where you have sure. to have explicit permission from you know those involved and stuff. And I think you already do anyway. I don't think you can just fucking use anyone's likeness and then just fucking you know do whatever you want. I think you legally have to have them involved or, or have something set up anyway. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought of the other day, because I have seen a lot of people talking about this and saying like that, like uh, it's a little bit, you know, wrong or or this type of stuff. And and then I just thought, I thought about Battlefront Two. You know the video game Battlefront Two. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought Luke shows up in that. Uh, Leia shows up in that. Han Solo shows up in that. They all look like Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, but none of them were involved with that game. How is it different apart from it looking better? Yeah. And that's, and that's it. it. And it's 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 a case of like I, the only element I disagree with that is they cast a voice actor as Luke Skywalker in this, giving someone else an opportunity um, to tell a new Luke story. The only difference between this is they used an AI which is more of a replica. I I think the AI voice was a mistake personally. Um, I I do too. I think the the voice is the only like. Like I said, it's the only thing that gives it away. It's a little rough at points, a little bit wooden. Yeah, um, it's, and, it's and very, think... it's very. You have a choice to make, Grogu, the Mandalorian, yeah. and it's very wooden and stilted. Um, because because it, that's what that's exactly what it is. It's AI, which I which is what I think the mistake was because Mark Hamill is a professional voice actor and probably could have done that just fine. You see, I've seen this point, and I've actually got something queued up to for you. And um, because I've also seen this, I've also seen people saying, "Why didn't I just get Mark Hamill to do it?" And I'm going to show you why right now. Oh no! Um, oh, no. <laughs> so this is Star Wars Forces of Destiny, which is like a little animated, uh, like kind of a show. It's not. It's just like animated shorts that show up, um, and it's just like set like small events that happen in Star Wars. And there's one of them, which is basically Yoda and Luke training on Dagobah, and Mark Hamill came back to voice Luke. So this is during the events of Empire Strikes Back, but it was released a few years ago. Let me just play it for you. Oh, no. Oh. Wait. Concentrate, you must. Uh, I was concentrating. For a moment, I could see a path through the trees. And then? And then I... Well... 
21-year-old Luke Skywalker. Right. So this is this is the this is the problem with that. It's the the vocal performance is fine, but it's the cadence of a man that is obviously older. Yes, and the same thing happened in Rogue One, okay? James Earl Jones is a terrific actor, terrific voice actor. Um, he's got an amazing voice. He's amazing as Darth Vader. And rightly so, he came back as Vader for Rogue One, which he should. But it's it's very, very noticeable <laughs> that his voice is different from how it is in A New Hope because he's 30, 40 years older or whatever. So obviously his voice is going to be different. Um, it's something they've not quite figured out yet. I think they will in time, but for now, it's still, uh, it's still a little bit rocky. Yeah. So that's fair. But I'll take, I'll, f- I'll tell you, what, I'll take that over Sebastian Stan any day. <laughs> Shut up, with yeah, Sebastian yeah. Stan. Sebastian, uh, we've made this point before, but Sebastian Stan does not look like Mark Hamill. Fucking move on. Um, Stop it with that. Yeah. My God, if there's two fucking fan castings I hate, it's John Krasinski and fucking Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Get both of them out of here. I never want to see either of that. Happen. And I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the ballpark of, I'm always up for, um, a fresh interpretation, a recast over a CGI, like remake kind of thing, or like a re, uh, a de-age. Like, but, but for example, I think when it works. So, for example, we have no context of what um, Han Solo's face looked like 10 years before A New Hope. So just recast another actor who they did and I think did a phenomenal job. I'm not against the recast. I just think if you're doing it placed purely on looks, then you're going to have issues. First of all, they don't even look that similar. But second of all, the the physical performance isn't the most important thing. It's the actual personality of the character that needs to come across. Because you can get someone who looks fucking identical to a fucking 1980s Mark Hamill or whatever. That wouldn't be that hard to find. You can do that. But the question is, can they act like him? Can they do the same job? That's what is most important. Alden Ehrenreich, he doesn't really look that similar to Harrison Ford, a young Harrison Ford, okay, but his performance as fucking young Han was so spot on, he got the fucking mannerisms, the cadence, pretty much everything about him so spot on without doing what seems like an impression Yeah, he, he, he really found the fucking balance of it, and, and that's what's important the thing I'd even say with that is his voice was there it's, it didn't sound like young Harrison Ford, but the, like he yeah. has this great moment at the beginning, which I've even said on this podcast, um, where like he has this he has this moment where she's like, "Oh, Han, are you okay?" And he's like, "Oh, this this is fine. You should see the other guy." And it's the cadence of the way he delivers yeah. that line. It's just like that's Han Solo straight away. Um, yeah, but yeah, but but also it doesn't bother me when you de-age someone or CGI fucking robot them in somehow, because we know no. we know what Luke's face looks like at this point in time. Yeah. So, like, just, just, and and I've seen the argument of like, oh, we can understand that game Luke doesn't look like Mark Hamill spot on. It's like, yeah, because no one looks like anyone in a fucking movie game. <laughs> they all look like everyone looks like shit most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But we know that, and that's fine. Whereas if we have a movie, let's say Sebastian's, let's say we go from Luke in the original trilogy to fucking um luke in the end of mandalorian and then like a couple of months later we've got sebastian stan with a deep fake luke cover over his face um or just sebastian stan in a blonde wig um and then and then we go back to the last jedi it's gonna unknowingly it's it's gonna fucking piss people off and the people and i think that's why olden works as well because it's not in between harrison it's before so you're not you don't have that like weird 
step in the middle. Exactly. Where he's got a different face for some reason. You just get told, like, this is him when he's fucking, I don't know, 30, late 20s, 30. This is him when he's 40. Yeah. And Bob's your exactly. uncle. Yeah. Fucking Ewan McGregor grew into fucking uh, Alec Guinness in like fucking 20 years or whatever. Yeah. So the, the thing that, they can figure out. The thing that bothers me about the fucking toxic discussion around this is people... The people that are fucking moaning about it now and the power of this technology and, and the, you know, like, like the, something I keep seeing is like they're, they're just calling him like Robot Luke or like the, the fact that his eyes are CGI. There's no there's no life in them. Firstly, he looks fucking normal when you know it. He looks amazing. Right, he, a test that, and, and all of them, to be fair, are crediting the visual the visual effects artists because they've done God's fucking work on that like if they're not if they're not significantly raising their prices then something is wrong with them but the thing that pisses me off is the same people that are moaning about this technology being dangerous blah 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 blah. the people that have a problem with it now are the people that when it appeared at the end of mando season two they went oh it's jarring it doesn't look like luke you know you can tell that it's cgi so they invested they did a better job and now they're like this technology is too good it's scaring me and it's like, yeah. dude, choose a fucking lane. It's Star and- Wars. It's fine. Like, it's not a problem. This is not gonna CGI. Mark Hamill isn't gonna blow up the world. And outside, outside of it being, you know, just a, a fucking great looking representation of Mark Hamill and that sort of thing. What I like about it is um, this is exactly what Lucasfilm does. Okay, George has always been passionate about pushing technology in film, and you know, for better or worse, the prequels are shot they were the shot that way, shot you know on green screens and blue screens. Not just because, well, no, not because George was lazy, but because he was really passionate about pushing new trends in cinema and seeing what can what can we do and what can we do differently yeah. and how can we create these digital environments. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the look of the prequels and you know the CGI-ness of it all and whatever but without that we wouldn't have the technology that we do today for the mandalorian shit you know the volume set and all that sort of stuff we have to have the prequels to get to this point so it's it's that's the kind of stuff that lucasfilm do they're always pushing the envelope with this kind of technology and i think george would love that i think so i think like obviously i can't speak to what he'd enjoy and stuff but like back in back in the day technological achievements were seen as a marvel you could you could argue the entire success of star wars as a franchise is down to the fact that it had never been done before um yeah there'd been space odysseys and stuff before um but i'm saying this the the level of the model preparation and the 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 use of the puppets in and all to kind of bring it together with live action stuff it it was it was a way of pioneering the industry and this is all this is doing. The difference is that technology has moved forward fifty some fucking years, and it's and it's better. <laughs> like it's honestly, it 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 does bother me. It it's just because I think people people will focus on this. I this show is not entirely for me, right? It's not entirely my cup of tea. But it has pushed the envelope so far forward in terms of what like where the bar is now. And what did you think of um, Luke the character rather than Luke the performance? Um, I I've seen a lot of criticism of where it goes, much that I disagree with. Um, what I think this is doing that I think is really cool is firstly acknowledging the sequels because we know that Star Wars ran scared for a while. 
Yeah. Um, which which they which they was always doing. The Mandalorian has been leading up and hinting at the sequels since season one. Exactly. And I love that this is kind of this this again this pushes this pushes it forward in another way. Um, we're seeing what I I think, and as a bigger Star Wars fan, you can tell me if I'm wrong or right. Is the the makings of the same place we saw burnt down in a last in the Last Jedi? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's 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 the same planet. I think the location of the actual temple itself might be different, but it's definitely it's the same planet. <laughs> those, I think it, those building Star Wars robots, like they just finish up their temple, and Luke's like maybe <laughs> to the left a bit, and they're like, "Are you taking the piss? Are you taking the piss?" <laughs> I think it's Agent Kloss. The planet where Luke's temple is was never named. It, well, it hasn't been named yet, um, but it's hinted uh, that it's Agent Kloss, which is the planet we see in Rise of Skywalker, um, You know where the Resistance are hiding out, that kind of jungle planet. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems to be that same planet because that's where he trained Leia as well for a time. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, it seems to be that's where it is, but we're not 100% sure yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, but, yeah. I like... The, the main thing I like in this is that Luke, so in Luke's mind so yeah. far, he knows that the Jedi failed and that, and that he, he is to start a new Jedi order. Right. These are, yeah. these are his goals and ambitions at the, at the moment. Luke hasn't seen the prequels. Yeah. Luke doesn't know why the Jedi failed and he doesn't know the reason that the Jedi failed is because they're a bunch of self-indulgent twats. Yeah. Right. Which is exactly what they were. They were pencil pushing morons rather than people that, you know, could find a balance. They, they took the force and they went, this is ours and we have laws and rules. And if you don't strictly abide by them, then you're an evil Sith. You're an evil, horrible, nasty Jedi force user thing. Right. What I like about this is that Luke is clearly laying the groundwork for making the exact same mistakes so that he can learn his lesson in The Last Jedi. What I like about it is he is he is he is doing that. He is taking missteps, but also he's very young. He's he's like fucking. I don't think he's even thirty at this point. Okay, yeah. He's and he's now like a fucking Jedi master, and he's supposed to raise the next generation and be the the ultimate leader of the Jedi. Of course, he's gonna mess up. He's just he's still fucking a kid, really. At the end of the day, he doesn't know anything. He he has to fucking learn whatever he can about the Jedi through talking to some weird ghosts who seem to show up only every now and then, and then whatever fucking books he can find. Yeah. So it's it's going to be difficult for him. He's going to make missteps. Okay. But also, what I really like, and and this speaks to his involvement in in this show and in the you know the the ongoing story of the Mandalorian is, and it's very clear in this that he is the the complete opposite to the armorer, in that like the you know two essential fucking cult leaders, let's say you know two people with their own uh, ideologies and their creeds and their beliefs and stuff. Um, but one of them is very strict and is very rigorous, very rigorous, um, and it's like there's only one way to do things. And if you don't do things this one way, then fuck off, you're out, okay? Yeah. We'll, we'll have absolutely nothing to do to you. This is the way? Sure. It's a very cool phrase. It sounds cool. Think about it for more than two seconds and you'll realize just how fucked up it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Luke, being the complete opposite of the armorer, he, he 
doesn't necessarily believe that things need to go one particular way. He gives Grogu a choice. He lets him choose his own path rather than saying, you know, this is how you need to do things. He gives him the choice between the lightsaber, which I mean, you kind of shouldn't have because it was destroyed in the comic, but whatever. Um, but also, he gives him a choice between the lightsaber and the fucking armor, and he gives and he lets Grogu choose his own destiny, which I also think is key to the Jedi fucking religion. It's about letting people make their own choices and choosing their own life. That's a big part of the Force, and he really leaned into that there. So it's it's good stuff. He's taking good steps, but he's also taking a little bit of missteps because he's still learning. Do you reckon when um, do you reckon when Grogu made the choice to go back to the Mandalorian, that it was a case of um, Luke was like, oh man, like. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm building this fucking sweet temple. I bagged my first student, and and you'll never guess my first student looked like my old master. This was sick. This was so, this was gonna be so good, and and he fucking wants to go back to his stupid tin man, idiot. Like he did, and then he rang up his sister and he said, "Bring me that fucking kid of yours now." <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I got plans for that fucking little bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, overall, I think we've been, we've been going a while. Um, I'd say, I don't know, what is there anything that stood out to you in this show? Um, I think we've okay. spoken about mainly quick, a lot of it. Yeah, quick notes. Ahsoka, great, always good to see her. Uh, N1 Starfighter, fucking amazing. Flying through Beggar's Canyon, fucking amazing. Oh, good stuff. Um, a, lot of pre- a lot of Phantom Menace love in this. A lot of Phantom Menace love, which I always uh, enjoy seeing. Um, The fact that the fucking debris from Anakin hitting the ramp in the pod racing racing sequence is still there fucking like 40, 50 years later. (laughs) Iconic, amazing. Never changed Tatooine. Um, A BD unit. Incredible stuff. Great. Fucking lovely to see. Uh, Cobb Vanth, Space Delf. um, I love you. I hope well. He's not dead, which is great. So he's alive. Is he like? Well, yeah, he's alive. De- like, definitively. Did you not see the post-credit scene? Oh, motherfucker! Was there? <laughs> yeah. Do you know when Boba said um, the back to tank is in use? Oh, motherfuckers! Of course. Yeah. So there's a post-credit scene. He is in the back to tank back at Jabba's palace, um, and the modder who fixed up Fennec Shan, he was there as well, like clearly getting ready to do some work. So. It looks like he's going to be modded up slightly. Cobb, I don't know, with a robot cob. I don't know, a joke about robot cob. Yeah. Anyway, what a fucking fool you are. Yeah. Damn it, what a twat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cad Bane, amazing. Very you cool. don't know who he is because you're a fake fan. <laughs> um <laughs> Danny Trejo as the Rancor Keeper. <laughs> Amazing. Why Completely ridiculous just seeing Danny Trejo in Star Wars. I think it's, uh, for some reason, I find it ridiculous when Danny Trejo shows up in anything. Yeah. But I love it. I always love seeing he's, Danny he's Trejo. He's got one of them faces that just seems like it just doesn't belong in a fictional world. <laughs> he does. Like, whenever I see him, I'm like, oh, that's Danny Trejo. Yeah. What are you doing here? He's great. He's great. I always, whenever I see him, I always think about him saying dicks out for Harambe. Oh, he did that, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Fucking hell. Oh. Dicks out for Harambe, you know what the fuck it is. Hey, dicks out for Harambe. Dicks out for Harambe, you great. know. Very <laughs> good, good stuff, Danny <laughs> Um, Yeah, so that was great. Uh, um... Order 66, from Grogu's perspective. Very cool, yeah. It's rare that we get a, Very cool. a glimpse into, like... Obviously, we know where he would have come from, but, like, it's... You know, there's there's mysteries to be unfolded there. Who was 
who was protecting him, who was his master. Like, there's yeah. all sorts. It's really cool stuff I think they can dive into. Yeah, exactly. Good stuff. Anything? Oh, Rancor. Um, I really enjoyed the interaction between Grogu and the Rancor. I did have like some, like a lot of stuff written on this, but just briefly, um, it's just again, it's Luke's lesson shining through. His time with Luke wasn't completely wasted. He did help him unlock like a lot of stuff from his training, and I think that's that's clear when you see him interacting with the Rancor and showing compassion rather than just trying to kill him like everyone else was in in Mos Espa for some reason. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, love that stuff. Didn't um, that, isn't there something in the uh... Um, in the Mando season one, Grogu, uh, kind of what, what? There's there's one of the fucking absolute beasts that's trying to attack Mando, and it's the first time we see the, Grogu really use the Force. Yeah, does he, so the does mud he kill horn? that? Yeah, does he kill that? Mud? No, so the the Mudhorn like is ch- is charging towards Din when he's like he's trying to get the egg for the Jawas, um, and the Mudhorn is is charging towards him, and Din's pretty much seems to have just accepted his fate. He seems like he's just ready to die at that point because he's tired or whatever. Um, uh, but then Grogu, uh, the first time you see him, he uses the Force. He like just stops it and lifts it up, so so Din can get in the killing blow. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So he's good. He knows how to use the force. He's a good little force boy. Yes. Um, and and yeah, and oh, Grogu in his little starfighter pod is just as soon as you saw that empty astromech slot, I think everyone knew that. Oh, that's that's Grogu's that's, castle. That's, for, that's where he's yeah. gonna sit. Yeah. And I love I love at the end where he's like tapping on the glass. And, it's, and you know full well that Mando is just going to get halfway down the fucking galaxy or whatever, and it's just going to like it's just going to be endless. Tap 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 tap. Hey, you're not looking, Dad. You're not looking at me. Tap 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 tap. Dad, look at this. <laughs> Which is great. It's and also their reunion was was very heartwarming. Not what you expected, being in the middle of an action sequence, um, but but still very heartwarming. I love the fact that he just jumps into his arms straight away. He even seems like he's trying to remove his helmet at one point as well. Yeah, I love um, that. I thought I thought he was going to take it off, but he's still yeah. Stupid Dean is still being a Mando, even if Mando doesn't want him. I, I think he's gonna. I think he might st- steer away from that as we go on. Yeah, um, but. I hope so. Anyway, um, but but yeah. Um, so all around good stuff. Oh, one last thing: Ahsoka meeting Luke. Well, not meeting Luke, but being with Luke blew my fucking mind. That's something we've wanted for years, and I hope to God that in the Ahsoka series we get like a scene of them talking about Anakin or something like that because that would just be great. But pure fan service. You came, but you came close it. to it, didn't it? When she was like, "You're so much like your Did. father," or something. Yeah, that was that was a great moment. I absolutely love it. Just give me more. Fair enough, um, but yeah. What do you want to see? If, do you reckon there's a season two? Do you reckon you'll want to see a season two? I don't think so. Not not particularly of the book of Boba Fett. I think this is uh, just like I say a chapter in the Mandalorian story. It's yeah. It's, it feels like a one and done, right? Yeah, it does. I don't necessarily. It seems like everything was kind of wrapped up. I don't think it needs to have a season two. I wouldn't be against it if it does, but I don't necessarily think it's something that's needed i think we can definitely see these characters again they can show up in the mandalorian in you know ahsoka whatever happens we can see them at some point down the line um but but yeah i feel like i also it's important to note that i think this was remember when mando season two ended he just handed off grogu to luke and we kind of saw that as the end of their story a lot of people were thinking this is this is the end this is the end of and then then they teased the book of boba fett coming soon 
Uh, and yeah. everyone was thinking, is this the Mandalorian season three? Are they just telling a story about a different guy in Beskar armor now? Um, yeah. And a lot of people thought that. So it's a case of like, it is it, it is a better way to view this as part of Din's larger story, I think. That's I, I, that's what it is. I mean, Kathleen Kennedy herself said it when, when the show was announced uh, at that Disney Investors Day or whatever. Um, they, she specifically said the next chapter in the story of the Mandalorian. Um, so it is part of the same ongoing story, which is why I don't like those jokes about the fucking, <laughs> you know, the Boba Fett, the the Mandalorian season three, or oh, Book of Boba Fett, whatever. Because first of all, they're boring and they're not funny, and they've been running to the ground so much. But also, it's the same story. Just get over it. Yeah. It's true. I think the biggest issue is the name. I think people, the biggest issue is the fact that it's called the Book of Boba Fett. If it was called, like, fucking uh, Star Wars Underworld or, like, The Rise of Moss Esper or something like that, I think people wouldn't be nearly as worked up as they are about it. Yeah, it's just because it's, it's, it's on, in some episodes, it clearly says on the tin it's a Boba Fett show, like, clearly, and then it's Boba Fett's not in it, so they're like, this isn't Boba Fett! Um, I, I did enjoy the fact that episode 5, uh, The Return of the Mandalorian, when the credits showed up, the first thing it said was Tamara Morrison. I was like, well, that's not true, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that just didn't happen, though, did it? Um, but yeah, no, good good show, ultimately. Like, I think, I think it, it wasn't necessarily entirely as for me as Mando Season 1 and 2 were. Um, but it's necessary. If I was watching Mando season one and two, I'd have to rewatch this, and I don't have a personal problem with doing so. Um, are you ever going to watch Clone Wars? It's it's hard to say. It's just such a time sink. That's not my only thing. I mean, you say this, but what show are you currently watching? That's different, Nathan. I'm watching that with 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 um, zucchini. All right, but it's twenty minutes. <laughs> It's twenty minutes an episode. I, I considered going through the um, Disney Plus has got a nice list of like the crucial ones you need to watch. Yeah, and I was I was considering going through that, but then I thought oh, it's a bit seems weird to go through just, that. I miss a lot of. It just upsets me because you're missing out on so much good stuff. There's so much great Boba Fett stories there. There's some ri- amazing Cad Bane stories, and you see. You know just how fucking cool that character is. Even in the Bad Batch, Fennec Shand and Ka- and Cad Bane have a standoff together. They have a great fight in that show. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff that you're missing out on, which I think you would enjoy. I know. But if you'd rather watch Gossip Girl, then that's absolutely fine. <laughs> it's all always- you, you want to watch the Vampire Diaries. Then no, we couldn't. Then you we couldn't finish that. It's, it it got very bad. Um. No, I could have told you that. I'm going to say this now for anyone that's that thinks about mugging me off. Gossip Girl's a good show, and I fully back it. It's fun. Um, but yeah, there you go. Look forward to the Gossip Girl episode next week. No, definitely um, not. But speaking of next week, Nathan, yes, we're going to be doing uh, a little bit of this. Wow, we it's Peacemaker. Um, Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, ho, we! John Cena returns as Peacemaker uh, in his own peacemaking show about making peace. Um, if you like this episode, um, then you can get stuck. Don't you fucking dare! Don't you fucking dare! 
<laughs> oh, if you like this, uh, new episodes go live uh, Friday at 10 a.m. Except when they don't, but they try to. We 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 do. They're, they're more often than not there. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. Um, that we're also on. Fucking, I can't talk. We're also on. What's wrong with you? I don't know. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at another happy pod, which is where you'll get a nice little post notification reminding you that we've got a new episode out. If you like the new episodes, you can give them a little five star review. Um, anything less is frankly despicable. Um, so we will take only five star reviews. Thank you. Uh, and yeah, uh, have a good week. Great, great stuff as always. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.